it's a pretty basic design. You know, you saw the mocha pot really take off in in Italy, kind of became a little bit more preeminent, and the French press kind of sat opposite that in some ways. And yeah, it's become very prevalent, very cheap, very easy to to manufacture, um, very forgiving brew. You know, so a lot of people like kind of gravitate toward them was their first kind of like manual coffee experience. Yeah, they're they're fantastic. Kenneth Thomas, and this is Coffee 101, your one-stop shop for pretty much everything you need when it comes to coffee. And so, hey, we're here with you today, and it is time to get your coffee learning game on. I'm joined in the studio by the lovely Katie. Hey, Katie. Hello. And today we're talking about French press. Ooh. Ooh. Sounds French. <laughs> oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. Oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> you know, I actually know a little French. Yeah? Mm-hmm. What else do you know? Like, we know we means yes. Oh, gosh. The French people are going to listen to this and be like, no, you don't. <laughs> um, They'll be like, no. No. Which also means, is, means I no. I mean, I know a lot of just like the pronouns and stuff. Yeah. And I know like basic words. Like, throw stuff at me. Like, om. What does that mean? H O M M E. What does that mean? It's just man. Okay. Gato is cat. Okay. And um what is woman? I feel like it starts with it's been a while. I usually like during school, like if I wasn't doing anything, yeah. I would just like get on Duolingo and yeah. learn French. But I need to be refreshed. Well, I can t- I can give you some basics. Okay. So I actually just got back from a trip to France, and, and I knew some I, I knew some very basic um, things. So bonjour. Yes. You know what that oh, means? Oh, yes. Hello. Yeah, it's kind of like good morning or well, hello or stuff like that. Also, it's really interesting because there's a lot of like they have a different word for like every like variation. Good night. Good evening. Good afternoon. Yeah. Good morning. Good day. Well, There's like a different one for each. So I learned that if it's after six, uh-huh. you say bonsoir. Yes. What is buena vie? Is that? I have no idea. I think that might be good afternoon. I don't know. I, I definitely know. Well, got that wrong. So another one I learned was merci and merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Yeah, which is like thank you. And then if you really, really are thankful, then you're like merci beaucoup, which is like thank you very much. Is Buenvenue. I basically Spanish. know six French words, and nice. so if you ask nice. me any outside these six, then I don't know. Well, hey, that's six more than most Americans. <laughs> S'il vous plaît. S'il vous plaît. I feel like I Which should Which means know that. please. Oh. Like, yeah, you say like a Then baguette. what is merci? Baguette. No, that's thank you. Baguette, s'il vous plaît. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get you caught up on your French. Hold I don't on, need listen. to be doing this right now. Cat. Listen. Oh, no. Gato is Spanish. No, no, no. Got, no, that's not. So, chat is cat in French. That's my bad. Did you just make this an explicit? No. Okay. All right. Just no, it's sure. C-H-A-T. Okay. It's not well, listen. like that. Au revoir. You know what that is? Goodbye. Yes. Goodbye. Yeah. Au revoir. And then and et is and. Yes, 
I knew that because they have like jambon, which is ham, and I think it's like the cheese is like emmental or something like that. Hmm. So you have a, and I'm probably butchering this, but jambon et emmental baguette. Cheval is horse. S'il vous plaît. Ooh, you want to, you want to, listen, let me tell you, actually. Fie is girl and fem is woman. Let me tell you what's a delicacy in, I think it's Venice, which has nothing to do with France. Uh Uh-huh. Horse meat. Oh, ew. Yes. That's so gross. You can get it on a pizza. That's really sad. (laughs) Well, I mean, for some people, that's normal. And then. And then let me tell you my last one. Okay. Parlez-vous anglais. That means, do you speak English? Oh. And so here's what I learned. Here's what I learned in France is if you go, um, they're very proud of their language. And so if you just, as a silly American, attempt just try to speak their language and use some of that stuff and then eventually say, parlez-vous anglais, then oh. they will probably say a little, which means... They know pretty much everything in the English language, but they would at least prefer, out of respect, that you try to start with their language, and then, you know, you can move over into, like, and they can speak, almost all of them can speak fluent English, Mm. Um, and I think it's, I think that's okay, you know, I think that's appropriate. That's decent. I mean, like, I feel like if people just came in to America, even if I was fluent in French, and they didn't even try to speak American. I think I would be a little, little like a little like get a little French on them. Be like, that's okay, but yeah, please try. Well, so Justin Piercy, uh-huh. uh, who is our interviewee today, mm-hmm. is a fantastic guy. He has uh, Daddy Got Coffee uh-huh. on most social medias, um, and um, just you know, if you don't follow that already. Um, that's something that if you like coffee at all is totally worth following and you'll identify with a lot of the stuff that yeah. he puts out there. Great guy. Um, he's Canadian. Ooh. So Canadians that was, are always like that was good that, at social media. That was that stretch tie to, um, let's get somebody on to do French press. Yeah. Cause you have like French Canadian. Wow. And so I was like, Hey, I'm going to see if I can get this guy. And so he was, um, he was, uh, Nice enough to come on, and uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff on the show. I'm not going to give it away, but I'll say a little bit. So we, we talked about French press, but more important, not more importantly, but also at the end it's worth um, saying that we also talked about issues with anxiety uh-huh. and depression, uh-huh. um, and we related that to, um, you know, some stuff in the coffee industry. Um, so you'll have to listen for that. I think it's a really important talk. And we also talked about the importance of um, how you use social media. Right. Smartly, That's really important. You know, from somebody who's in the industry. Because yeah. so. I feel like a lot of people, um, like especially like older, and I'm not like categorizing them yeah. or like saying they like definitely are a certain way. But I feel like a lot of people of like the more like boomer generation um, kind of like look down on social media because they can't see any positives of it. But I mean, we live with it now and it's not going to go away. So I feel like we might as well just like use it well rather than like assume it's all bad. Yeah. And that's the key is, is figuring out how to use it well. Yeah. Um, 
And so we'll go into a little bit of that um, in the show. So without further ado, I'm just going to say let's jump right into it. And here's my conversation with Justin Piercy of Daddy Got Coffee on the French Press. Everything you need to know. Here we go. Justin, good to have you on the show today. Hey, thanks, Kenneth. Really appreciate you having me on today. You know, um, we were talking a little bit before the show, um, and you probably, like me, couldn't talk about just about anything in coffee, um, but what I specifically wanted to get you on for was French press and, yep. you know, just kind of a little bit of a head nod to, um, you know, I guess, well, I guess I didn't even ask you, are you French Canadian or just Canadian or? You know what? There's a little French Canadian in all Canadians, but okay. there's very tiny, <laughs> like I took a couple classes in middle school and, and that was kind of as far as it went. Oui, oui. Um, but yeah, we like... We visit, like, we're going to be driving through Quebec next week, you yeah. know, and, uh, and we, you know, we love the French part of our culture for sure. Okay. So Justin is from, Justin is from Canada. And so that was my long stretch to tie him to, to a French <laughs> press episode. And, um, you know, if, if any of you coffee curious one-on-oneers out there, um, have had your head under a rock or in the sand um, for the last couple of years. Um, you don't know he has Daddy Got Coffee on Instagram and YouTube and maybe some others. Um, it's a great um, place to, what I would say, identify with coffee. And especially if you're a parent or any, really anybody in coffee, yeah. I think there's, there's a lot there for you. Um, so uh, we, we appreciate you in the coffee industry and in the coffee world. We appreciate you putting that Uh, media out there. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I try to have fun with it. Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. Um, and we'll get into it a little later in the show. So, um, so tell me, um, well, let me start with this. Uh, I'm just going to kind of, kind of brush through, um, what I think is, uh, the history of the French press, and um, you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but we'll just try to nail it here in about thirty seconds. So, um, first design uh, for this style was patented around 1852 um, by a French guy, um, but there were some versions that were simpler uh, designs, like later. Um, down the road, and um, the one that um, we think we probably use more today was actually uh, invented by a couple of Italians. Um, I'll probably butcher their names, but we'll say Attilio Calamani and Guglio, Guglio, Guglio. Um, I wish I could correct you, but yeah, Manetta. I'm not going to do any better. <laughs> yeah, Manetta. <laughs> and... Um, you know, their their designs were similar to the uh, original French design, um, but that's probably, you know, what we use today. And then um, even more popular was um, there was uh, a design that was patented later in 1958 by a Swiss guy. And you got to realize geographically, like all of these places, the Swiss or Switzerland, 
France and and uh, Italy are, are kind of right there, all you know, theoretically adjoining with Switzerland being in the middle. Um, but anyway, this design was known in France as a Chambord or Chambord, Chambord, uh, Chambord. Um, again, probably butchering it in France, French. And so the French listeners out there, um, you can DM us on, at Humble Coffee and uh, just tell us how to actually pronounce it. Um, but that was kind of where we got the French press that we use today. And then it just kind of went from there. So um, anything I missed in that super simplistic and, you know, history? Yeah, um, I don't think so. Like, it's a pretty basic design. You know, you saw the mocha pot really take off in in Italy, kind of became a little bit more preeminent, and the French press kind of sat opposite that in some ways. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's become very prevalent, very cheap, very easy to, to manufacture, um, very forgiving brew. Yeah. Um, you know, so a lot of people, like, kind of gravitate toward them was their first kind of, like, manual coffee experience. Yeah, they're they're fantastic. That's what I was going to say is it's a very easy one um, to really kind of start getting into. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Um, totally. You know, and and we've talked about on the show before uh, pour over versus immersion. And this is obviously an immersion. Um, And do you want to um, explain to our one on oneers out there kind of kind of what what immersion means? Yeah, totally. Well, it, it's it's nice because it means like exactly what it kind of sounds like and that you're immersing the coffee grounds in a solution, water, and stuff from that coffee is kind of coming out into the water. They call that extraction. Um, and then you filter it afterwards, and that's kind of how you get your coffee. Like, it, it's pretty basic. Um, you want to contrast that with you talk about pour over, that's something they would call percolation where you're pouring water and it's traveling through the coffee. The only water that's kind of hitting the coffee grounds is that fresh uh, water. And then it kind of filters through at the bottom, kind of all in one step. Um, And some of the mechanics around how that happens um, really result in the French press being that, super forgiving um, type of brew that is just a lot harder to mess up and it's a lot easier to get a good result. Um, so, you know, that that's, I think, one reason why the French press has kind of come to prominence. You know, it's low cost. It's, you don't need a lot of extra stuff and you get a good result out of it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And, you know, talking about the approachability or ease of use with pour over, you're really at the whim of multiple different um, variables. Uh, One main one being the, you know, size of the grinds as Mm -hmm. to um, the rate at which the water goes through but you do have some other variables but that's just one as an example whereas with an immersion you do have a very easy control over when you let that water go 
you know, yep. as far as like when you decide to separate the coffee and the water. And, you know, one big thing with the French press, as opposed to even some of the other immersion um, brewers and definitely with the pour overs is we use a metal filter. Mm-hmm. Do you want to speak a little bit on a metal filter versus a paper filter? Yeah. Um, well, there's a few differences. Um, and again, it can kind of vary a little bit depending on the type of metal filter. Mm-hmm. Like if you move up to more expensive French presses, you'll start to see these like super fine um, metal filters that are designed to really um, like not let any particulate matter through no matter how small to give you that smoother um, taste Um, paper you know obviously there's the increased weight like uh, waste you know people Mm -hmm. sometimes don't like that you know you're throwing out this filter um, it's going to degrade probably you know they don't depending on how they're disposed of, they might not degrade very well in a landfill or, you know, hopefully that kind of thing is being uh, composted, but you know, you have the cost number one of continuing to buy paper filters with a uh, pour over, you got the extra waste um, and their paper filters tend to be finer as well. So you have kind of this little bit of extra hassle in some ways with a paper filter and it's one less thing that you need to think about. Like that's the beauty of the French press is you don't need a fancy kettle. Like with pour over, you need this fancy kettle. Right. Um, and like you say, it's, it's a lot more temperamental based on all these different variables. French press. It's like you get your press, you get your coffee, you make the coffee and you clean it out after. And that's that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's one of the big appeals of it. Yeah, no, I agree. And so um, with, yeah, so with the metal filter, um, you know, a couple of big differences as well as, as what Justin said there. Um, inherently, you're probably going to want to use uh, uh, like a larger grind size, if that makes sense. So a coarser grind um, because you don't want or you want as little as possible of the grinds uh, ending up in the final cup. And inherently, although they are getting a lot better with the size um, that can come through the actual metal filters, you're still going to be able to get more that goes through the filter of a metal filter than you are um, a paper filter. Uh, One of those things, including like fats, you know, so you're going to get those fats that come out of the coffee um, that will go through a metal filter that won't necessarily go through a paper filter, which is, that's not a bad thing. It's just an awareness thing. Um, and so the way you can confirm that or see that is you'll see just a little bit of a sheen a lot of times on, on the top of your, um, finished coffee. Um, and that, that's the fats that are, that are coming out of there. Yeah. It's interesting. Like there are some paper filters that do that to a higher degree than others. So some of that depends on the actual type of filter, like a Chemex filter will pull a lot of that stuff out, Yeah, but then other types of filter don't actually pull that out to the same degree. Um, but there are actually, um, some tips with a French press Yeah, that you can do. And I usually recommend, I don't know when you want to get into the actual using of it, but, um, that can really help minimize 
any negative impact that yeah. you would get from a larger from the, those larger opening metal filters. Well, I would um, say let's go into that now. Let's jump into it and and then even, you know, what are some of your kind of tips and tricks as far as how you would make a French press, um, you know, for yourself or for others. And the only thing I would add as far as like big pie in the sky, you know, intro stuff for um, French press is traditionally um, people are going to say that it's going to have a heavier body or mouthfeel. Um, and, and part of that is the extraction. And I think part of that is the fines. And we'll talk about that um, here as we go through how mm-hmm. Justin and I make it um, that end up in the cup as far as how, how the cup feels in your mouth. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. tell me, give me your tips and tricks. Yeah. So, well, I guess there are, I don't know. I got some things that I think will be really helpful Go to your it. audience here, Kenneth, but like just in real broad strokes, when you make a French press, you grind your coffee up, you put it in and then you put water in and you let it sit and then you plunge it and pour, pour it out. Um, there are a couple things like before you do anything else or worry about any of the tricks, one big thing, um, that's good to know is there's like this thing called like coffee ratios and that's the ratio of dry coffee weight to amount of water one to 16 is kind of a standard ratio. So if you, you know, do like, I don't know, say a hundred grams of coffee, you're not going to do that much, but let's do it. Yeah, just but for we're making it simple. Yeah. yeah. Then you would do 1600 grams or milliliters of water. Right. Um, and that'll end up with a kind of a good strength of coffee. So that's just kind of, even with that, you can kind of use a French press without knowing much more than that. Um, but what I typically tend to do is I put the coffee into the French press. I fill it up, um, right to whatever a one to 16 ratio would be. Um, and then typically people say, leave it four minutes and then plunge it. Um, which when you do that, it does result in a lot of that kind of heavier gritty mouthfeel mm-hmm. because that plunger, you're like pushing the grounds down with the plunger. Um, and that's something that you actually want to avoid. Right. Um, so if you stir it, you know, a couple minutes in um, and let that crust kind of settle, mm-hmm. um, then when you plunge, if you plunge gently, um, you won't have, you'll have less of that. Um, you'll have less of that grit. Um, now when I do a French press, I like my coffee really smooth. Like I don't like any of that kind of sandy taste in my mouth, you know? Um, so I like to actually let my grounds settle for longer Um, so I like to leave sometimes after four minutes, I'll even leave it for like another four minutes. Yeah. And you might think like, oh, doesn't that over extract the coffee? Um, and this is one of the myths of French press that I just find absolutely fascinating. You know, you, you hear this, like, you don't want to grind too fine because you'll over extract your coffee or you don't want to leave it too long because you'll over extract your coffee. Um, and that's actually like not totally true in a lot of ways because of something called 
and I, we can go quickly through this. And if you want to, no, 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 some more detailed questions later, that's fine. Um, but there's something called, um, the concentration gradient. And basically what that means is when the water is clean, it's got nothing in it. Yeah. It's pulling like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what you see when you're doing pour over, like it's more efficient because it's clean water going in the top. So it's because there's a bigger ratio of like concentrate to salt um, solution. Mm -hmm. It's going to pull that stuff out a lot more aggressively. Once that hits a certain point, it kind of stops pulling it out. Yeah. Um, at the same rate, like it goes like a curve, like it pulls it out really fast and then it kind of tends to slow down and it doesn't pull it out as much. And so that's why like French presses, it's like they don't generally tend to be bitter because at a certain point, there's no more clean solution that is going to keep pulling the stuff out. That's going to make the coffee bitter. Let me, let me jump in right there. Um, I I just want to say, so it's fascinating, um, and it's actually it totally makes sense, um, and it's it's nothing that we have ever talked about on the show. But as soon as you said it, in my head, I'm picturing like um, my uh, just my my batch brew pots that I make at home or yep. um, here at the at the coffee shop. Um, when we're making a big batch brew, you know, I always notice that towards the end, you're starting to get that more tea-like, you know, water coming through. And, and this is technically on a pour over, but same concept here in that, well, it's a little different and I'll explain that in a second, but, um, but that osmosis or that concentration gradient, you're going to have a big, like Justin is saying here, a big concentration gradient initially, and you're going to pull out all kinds of stuff. But then mm-hmm. as, especially in an immersion, you have more of a, a balance or an equilibrium. Yes. Across that, you're actually not necessarily going to, quote, over-extract. Whereas in my head, and again, I'm just thinking through this on the fly as we're talking right now, you have more of a chance to over extract with a pour over than you do immersion because with a pour over what you're doing is every time you pour that is a significant gradient as far as concentration or osmosis or whatever you want to say that you can pull more out of that bean whereas with an immersion you're moving towards an equilibrium absolutely yeah totally boom that's awesome if like you want to do an experiment like you would think like leave it for 12 minutes yeah, and like take a tablespoon out and taste it. Like it's not going to be a lot stronger or more bitter after that amount of time. Like it reaches that equilibrium point. Yeah. And so you can actually grind finer than you would think for a French press. Um, and if you stir it, really let all that stuff settle right down, you know, give, give it some extra time. If you're rushed, that's one thing you don't have to, but when I really want to enjoy a nice French press and I want it to be super clean, um, I'll let it sit for, you know, like four minutes, I'll do my stir thing. And then I'll just like, let it sit like another four, like eight minutes or Mm -hmm. whatever. 
and then like I'll do a super slow plunge so I'm not disturbing anything in there and then I'll pour myself a cup of coffee um and it's it's can be very good Stick with us. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and this is Coffee 101, brought to you by Humble Coffee. Let's say you're looking for a coffee with a little bit of body on that back end that would be great for a French press. What I would recommend is Humble Coffee's Base Camp. It's their dark roast that's a single origin from Brazil and tastes great on French press. If you're looking for not a lot of body on the back end or that kind of um, uh, extra kick that you usually get from French press that we talk about in the episode that you have different ways that you can prevent that, then I would recommend Front Runner or Upper 90. Those are a couple of great ones that if you're looking for that, quote, cleaner taste for a cup of coffee, those would be two that I would hands down recommend. Um, my current personal favorite is Upper 90, which is from Zambia, which helps us support an orphanage down there. And we have a direct relationship with those guys who are down there, boots on the ground, actually picking and um, processing the beans themselves. So that's Upper 90. But any of them are great. So you can click on the link in the show notes below or you can go to humblecoffee.com. Now let's get back to my conversation with Justin of Daddy Got Coffee. Again, I'm just thinking on the fly here. Same thing when we do coffee cupping with coffee cupping, which is yeah. for the one on oneers out there, is tasting coffee, but that's just what we call it and how we do it in the coffee world. Um, it's kind of like a French press, except you're not pressing; you're just like letting it all like go down yep. to the bottom, um, taking it out with the spoon at the end, right? And then, but but what I have, but you know, we wait until about ten minutes in mm-hmm. to actually taste the coffee. And nobody in the coffee community ever comments on it being over extracted. I mean that yeah. is that that is our standard is we wait about ten minutes in before we start yep. tasting. So that's that's pretty cool. I've just never actually thought about it like that, but that totally yeah. makes sense. And it's exactly the same principle is the it gets to that equilibrium point. And it doesn't just keep extracting, like it kind of levels off and then the temperature will start to come down to a point where you can actually taste it a little bit more effectively. Right. Um, And so, you know, with your French press, like don't freak out. Like if you forget about it for a few minutes on the counter, but the the big thing is you got to stir it because otherwise all that stuff will stay stay at the top. top. Yeah. And then when you plunge it, it's going to start wanting to push through your filter. You want to stir it, make sure it all kind of starts falling down and then give it, you know, a nice little break for all that stuff to settle before you plunge very gently. Right. You know, another couple of things. One is the darker the bean that you're using, the more those grounds will tend to want to float as opposed to the lighter the coffee, the more they will tend to want to fall to the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's another cheat if you're at a friend's house or um, 
at a coffee cupping table and you don't know if something's light or dark, um, you know, just seeing how much of it, you know, what we'll say stays at the top versus, you know, floats or drops to the bottom. Um, Another thing to think about is with the plunger and if you're trying to prevent having some of those fines and that um, kind of full body, you know, silky uh, mouthfeel on the back end uh, of a French press, then you could even like, let's say um, you do like Justin and you want to wait until the eight minute mark to actually pour, you could do your slow plunge at your four minute mark um, and then give that last four minutes just generic time for whatever was left above that filter to try to settle, you know, towards the bottom um, to get even more of that out, you know, before you, you know, pour into either your cup or your carafe. Yeah, totally. There's, you know, it's, I think the big thing for people is if it goes longer, don't stress, yeah. you know, that, that, that can be, it can be a good thing for the flavor. Um, you know, and it's it, when you enjoy it that way, as long as I think the big thing is, you know, don't rely on the actual press to actually press the grounds down, let gravity do that. Yeah. And, and that will, as long as you're not doing that, then you're going to get a bunch of better cup of coffee out of your French press. Right. Cool. Well, I don't think that I could top that or say anything extra um, as far as French press goes. And we'll segue into talking about, there's a couple other things I want to talk to you about before I let you go. Um, but as, as, um, as big like picture highlights, um, I would say Justin and I would say, you know, we'll say a one to 16 coffee to water ratio yep. is kind of what we like. Um, if you like a full bodied, silky, full mouthfeel type of coffee, you know, then some of the stuff we said may not be as important to you, but if you like it to really be smooth, um, then try some of those tricks, um, that we talked about there. Um, but I want to shift gears a little bit and um, talk to you about some things that you're really um, interested in. Um, and there's three things, and we'll just kind of reveal them as we go. Uh, but one is direct trade. So tell me about your heart or passion for direct trade. Yeah, I mean, well, basically direct trade um, is like most people know the term fair trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and direct trade is when a coffee roaster will actually build a relationship with, um, a farmer at origin and kind of trade directly with them. Um, I, there's a bit, a big problem in the coffee industry and has been for a long time around lack of transparency and, you know, people trying to exploit these populations, um, in kind of these less developed countries for profit. And that's where kind of the drive behind fair trade came from. What people don't very often realize is that a big part of fair trade, it's actually a lot of it is marketing. Mm. And, you know, people want that fair trade label because, you know, they think that it's fair. Whereas there might be other ways of doing business that are actually more equitable to farmers at origin. I'll give you an example, like farmers 
need to do all this extra stuff um, and pay Mm -hmm. to be fair trade certified. Right. So they're actually out of pocket a certain amount to get that certification. If they don't need to get that certification because a roaster is trading directly with that farmer, then they can have more money for their families. Um, On the whole, I think it's easy for us as people who shop at supermarkets to look at coffee kind of like a commodity like pasta, you know, or whatever. Like you just kind of don't really think about where it came from. Um, and you just kind of buy it. It comes in a bag and make it, it's just like a stock item for you in your, in your cupboard. Whereas, you know, this is something that for a good quality coffee, like it's almost always being picked by hand, um, and processed by hand. It's very labor intensive. Um, and by spending a couple extra dollars per bag, you can actually have a big impact um, on the people who are actually growing it, like life-changing impact for yeah. these people and their communities. Um, and it's, it's just something that I'm personally very passionate about. Like we try and buy ethically made clothing. We try and buy good quality chocolate for the same reason. You know, it, if that's something that you value personally, um, then direct trade and, you know, just in general, becoming more educated about the um, coffee supply chain is something that is really, really good um, for people to do, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And so a couple of things with that, I was thinking one is like, for example, with Humble Coffee, um, we have a direct, well, one of our coffees is direct with a, um, with a group in Zambia, which mm-hmm. is a funky, um, I'll, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you one of these coffees is funky coffee. Cause you don't get many coffees out of, out of Zambia. Um, but anyway, it, um, it is a great relationship and we use part of that money to give back to, there's a orphanage there. Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. And That's so like, so about. like half of their, Half of their, we'll say complex, is like a coffee farm, coffee trees. And then the other half is like a, a orphanage and um, school, um, you know, church. And they're trying to continue to build that up. Because I think Zambia is either the first or second highest percentage uh, of orphans as far as a country goes in mm. Africa. Mm, um, I didn't know that. And, um, and, and at this place, they don't they don't even take what they call um, single orphans, they take what they call double orphans, which mm-hmm. means that they like the, um, it's the mother, mother and the father or the mother, father and any extended family aren't willing or aren't able to, you know, take, you know, and, and raise these kids. And so anyway, so, and, and so that, that's one thing. And then, and then just in general with coffee one hundred and one. You know, part of what we're trying to do is raise awareness of the story of coffee because I think if people see the story and they see that there are humans behind all of these things, mm-hmm. like it doesn't magically just show up on the grocery yeah. store shelf, then yeah, absolutely, I, I think people are willing to, you know, maybe pay a little more um, 
and be okay with that. Like, you know, and, and, and not more as much as I would say what is deserving of, you know, the product, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and I think, I think also like, you know, I threw out the word direct trade. You've got a direct partner. Um, it's important, I think, for people not to take labels like that and say, I'm only going to buy it if it's direct trade. Right. Um, because it's a global supply chain. Like, it's really complicated. So for anybody who's um, listening might not probably doesn't know this, in Ethiopia, for example, extremely prolific coffee growing region. Right. Um, the, the coffee industry there is highly regulated. Like you need to work with a government approved exporter of coffee. You're not actually allowed to do direct trade in Ethiopia. Yeah. So there's no such thing as Ethiopian direct trade coffee, but roasters can still choose which importer they're working with. There is a scope of importers. You know, some importers will like mix up low quality coffee with medium quality coffee to try and make more money. Others develop long-term relationships with farmers. I think, as you said, it's knowing and understanding that there is a deeper, more complex story to the cup of coffee that you're drinking and trying to understand more about that so that you can make more educated decisions as a consumer. Yeah. You know, and just as an aside, while I'm thinking about it for any roasters out there, um, if you're specifically looking for um, a direct relationship for an Ethiopian coffee, um, there's a guy named Sam with Kefa coffee, uh, Kefa import, Kefa importers out Mm -hmm. of um, Baltimore, Maryland. And um, he is Ethiopian uh, by birth, um, but lives in Baltimore. And he goes to Origin at least a couple of times a year and has relationships. um, And he can, you know, get people tied in directly with people there. Um, But let's let's talk about, um, before the show, we were talking briefly about your enjoyment of decaf. And yeah. how that related to anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've managed anxiety like ever since I was a kid. You know, mm-hmm. I've been medicated at various points throughout my life. It was, um, it's just been part of my journey. Depression as well. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, for any people, especially men dealing with mental health, um, just know there are other men who deal with this. And I feel like it's more of a taboo subject for men. Um, than it is maybe for women in you know the culture we find ourselves in. But it's a very normal part of life. It's okay. It's something that people deal with. And it's good to talk about it if you're dealing with it. Um, and I didn't, I there was a time where I started having panic attacks, Kenneth, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know, like, at first I was just like, oh man, I'm just like, why, I'm so uptight. Like, um, and and then it was like is something wrong with me. Like that was kind of the thought. And then it started like happening every day. Um, and I was like, this is like anxiety on steroids. Mm. Um, and I went to my doctor about it. I got a prescription for anxiety med- medication. Um, you know, work was stressful, but like when is work not stressful? Like <laughs> yeah. if you have a job, work <laughs> is stressful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
And, um, but the one question my physician never asked was how much cups of coffee do you drink in a day? Mm -hmm. And I was drinking like eight cups of coffee in a day. (laughs) And it's like, of course, if I'm prone to anxiety, I'm going to be having panic attacks. If I'm dumping that much caffeine into my system, like it, caffeine is like a drug, you know? Um, and so I pulled way back and in not very much time, I actually cut, I went cold Turkey for a while, had killer headaches. And after not very much time, I, the panic attacks kind of stopped. And then I said, okay, I'm going to set a limit of one. And then I set it to two and I'm still at like two cups of caffeinated coffee a day. Yeah. And then I like coffee too much to stop drinking. Yeah. So then I just switched to decaf and it's like people poop on decaf. Because, ah, yeah. oh, decaf is for wusses. And it's like, I like to say decaf is for true coffee lovers. Yeah. Because once they shouldn't be drinking any more coffee, then they can have decaf. Yeah. Now, some people don't react to caffeine. You know, I've read a little bit about that where like some people have a higher sensitivity to it than others. So some people might be like, oh, I, I can, you know, drink it at 11 o'clock at night and it's fine for me and that's fine. Um, but that's not true for everybody. Right. And it is a drug and caffeine can um, decaf can allow you to enjoy coffee in a healthy, well-rounded way, no matter where you find yourself on that spectrum. So I'm a big proponent of it. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy a cup of decaf, um, not every afternoon, but I'd say a lot of afternoons. Um, and, and one thing I would say with it is Decaf gets a bad name because not part of partly because not a lot of people use decaf, and so for like let's say a coffee shop um, to like brew a batch uh, of decaf, and then only one person you know get from that, and it's two hours after it was brewed. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it might be a little less good of a cup, um, or. Um, another thing I've seen is, is because not many people do decaf, um, you start out with like the, whoever does the selection for the beans, um, you start out with a lesser bean as far as quality, yeah, as far as quality goes, but, but I can assure you, and I know you can assure the, the one-on-oneers out there that, um, you know, if you have a good single origin or Mm -hmm. even a blend that's, uh, that's a decaf, then it can be, it can be great. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And so like, for example, what we do um, at like our coffee shop front at, at HQ is uh, we just simply, if somebody wants a decaf, we do it as a pour over for like no upcharge, you know, so we just, we just do like the one off, um, you know, because it is a good bean and, you know, I, we do better doing that than to, you know, do a whole batch um, and just have it sit there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Like there's less of a demand for it because most people drink caffeinated coffee, of course. So if a like, I, th- I think what sometimes people don't realize is decaffeinated coffee was originally caffeinated coffee, right? It has to go through another process, right? Usually at another location, in order to become decaffeinated and there are better processes than others at different price points. And so if a farmer is going to say, okay, I'm going to take this coffee 
and I'm going to have it processed as decaf. Um, it's going to be harder for that farmer to sell that coffee because there's not as much demand for it. Right. So he's not going to use his best coffee unless somebody is specifically asking for it um, for decaffeinated um, processing. But like you say, if you go looking for it, you can find those good, well-processed decaf, single origin and blends that are just really, really good. Right. And one more thing I'll say on the, um, the anxiety and, and depression before I jump to the last thing is everybody's broken in different ways. And, and what people don't realize is it's like the opposite is the case as far as like what we should do um, versus what we feel like we need to do. So we feel like we need to be rough and tough and say we have it all together. But what people are like dying for somebody else to say is to look at them and say, oh, you too. Like like we can identify with what I call brokenness or, or you know, just the little chinks that we all have um, if we just allow, you know, others in, you know, and, and I think it also builds relationship. Um, you know, it's, it's those, what, what I call time in the trenches that, that grows relationships. Um, you know, not the times that everything's like hunky dory. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think if I can give people an encouragement when, when you're in that circumstance, whether you're the one in it or whether you think somebody else might be in it, it takes somebody to go first. Yeah. And it's know? awkward, but like, yeah, you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And on the other side of it, it's a whole other world, you know? Yeah. It's so funny when I was feeling like that, you know, you talk about doing what you shouldn't do. It's like when I would start to get those panic attacks and start to feel anxious, I would feel like I got to have a cup of coffee and calm myself down here. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like, man, I'll tell you, you do the thing that you really shouldn't do in a, in a scenario. Oh, my word. Yeah, and that was it. <laughs> well, listen, let's finish and talk about um, social media. So you've had tremendous success, appropriately so, with uh, Daddy Got Coffee. Um, uh I know for sure on Instagram and YouTube, and I'm betting yep. you likely have some others out there that yeah, you can tell yeah, us. Yeah, I got a TikTok. I yeah. kind of ignore TikTok a lot of the time, but <laughs> I got one, yeah. Yeah, it's not my favorite social media, but <laughs> we do it too, I think out of at least currently necessity. But, um, but you know, you, you also have some thoughts and opinions on um, social media usage, and I, I'd love for you to kind of go through some of them with our crowd. Yeah. I mean, I, it's such a hard thing. Like, and this is something that everybody in today's day and age fights with. It's like social media screen time. Like it's hard on your mental health, you know, yeah. like talk, talk about mental health. Like it pulls you out of your relationships. It makes those times with your kids more difficult when you get caught distracted on your phone and somebody hits somebody else, you know, at least that's what happens in our, in our house. And yeah. then everybody's crying all of a sudden. And, and then you get upset because you're pulled out of whatever moment you were in, you right. know, like reading something like a news article or something. And all of a sudden, like it's chaos around you and it just is really um, difficult. And it's a constant, even though like, social media is my thing. I'm on YouTube. Like 
doing content is what I do. Yeah. Having those um, boundaries in place, it's always an open conversation, you know, trying to decide what are the screen free zones where we're going to be totally present with each other? Yeah. What is like appropriate? It's not even almost social. It's almost just phone use in general. Um, Trying to figure out like, what are the values that we want our kids to be growing up with? Like we give them screen time limits, but if we're just like on tap all the time with our screens, it's like the limit for them is kind of meaningless. You know what I mean? So um, it's, it's all tied to that being aware of your mental health and identifying that this is a factor in our mental health and has an impact on our relationships. It's like everybody has been in that situation where their spouse and them are sitting in the same room and maybe it's gotten dark and you're just sitting there each looking at your own personalized screen or maybe even worse, you're in bed doing that. Right. And it's like my wife and I, we made the decision like we don't have phones in the bedroom, right? you know, just because not because like, you know, we're trying to get frisky all the time. It's just like, it doesn't set the right tone. You know what I mean? For the relationship overall. Yeah. It's like, we want to be sleeping. We want to, you know, be present in the beginning and the ending of the day. If it's like the first thing you do is roll over and tune into what's going on on your phone. Yeah. Is that the best way to set the tone for your relationship for the rest of the day? Yeah. Um, so I, I, we're big believers on it's an f- amazing tool, the best tool humanity has ever had, but you need to have it in its right place. Yeah. Um, that's what we believe about it. Yeah. As far as like discernment. And I think that's good. And, you know, one thing I was thinking about when you were saying that is like, you know, what I tell my kids is, okay, like what's the, what's the first thing that you think about in the morning? Um, and so for most of them, it's going to be like getting to their phone to check something like whatever, YouTube or Instagram or whatever. Um, you know, and I say, okay, just have an awareness like that. That's an idol, you know, like in your world, like that is something that you're putting ahead of, of lots of other things. And so, you know, for me, honestly, a lot of times that can be coffee, you know, I get up and the first thing I think is, am I going to have that natural processed coffee from Nicaragua or, and <laughs> you know, that honey processed coffee from Costa Rica? Am I going to put it on a clever or am I going to use an AeroPress? And so, you know, in the same way for phones, like I have to always constantly fight the battle of holding in check, like my love, you know, for coffee. Yep, absolutely. And it's like, I think whatever that thing is for you, you know, for whoever is listening, it's like, you got to be aware of, you just be self-aware of what that is and how that is impacting you and your relationships. Um, Because these things do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Well, listen, it was a pleasure to have you on today and uh, to talk about French press and direct trade and decaf and and social media so we'll have to have you on again sometime yeah I'd love to anytime just let me know all right and one of oneers out there if you haven't already followed daddy got coffee uh, on whatever your social media you know choice is and uh, you will find stuff that you identify with 
um, you know, that is clean and uh, uplifting and funny. All right, man. See you next time. Thanks so much, Kenneth. Really appreciate it. Wasn't that a great interview? That was really good. He is like so um, personable. Yeah. Um, and you can tell where he would easily have success as far as like social oh, yeah. media and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he sounds like he'd just be like super easy to talk to. Yeah. Like just um, even the whatever, 30 minutes or yeah. whatnot that I spent with him. I was like, man, I was like, I like if this guy lived here, you know, we'd probably go out for a cup of coffee yeah. or a, a, you know, ethically sourced beer. Oh, look at you that. Know, here and, you know, every once in a while. Right. Um, so looking at his social media, mm-hmm. like, ha- like I'm old, you're young, like, I am like, indeed young, like he does a great job. Like, how do we do that with like humble coffee? Like, how do we do the whole Our like, own social media? Well, no, like you, like, you know, on his, like he's got, it's like the little thing. And then he like, he, he pretends like he's doing the audio for like whatever right. the audio is like. Like, is there a way to, like, like how hard is that to do? We need to start doing that. I think, I mean, like, it's not hard for me just because I'm. Because you're young. Because I'm, a, yes. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, all of our, like, the staff at the shop uh-huh. and, like, the company in general is pretty young. So I feel like we could all, like, figure it out pretty easily yeah. if you just told us, hey, make two videos and we're like okay and then we'll think of something yeah because like if i'm on social media like i think of stuff all the time even like for my like youtube and stuff that i do i'll like think of i mean i'll just like you know it just kind of like you don't really plan it you just kind of do it yeah if that makes sense yeah i think y'all y'all need to show me the old guy like how to do that i'll show you so that we can figure out how to start doing those Mm -hmm. because I mean, not doing them exactly like he does them, but I think there's a, a little niche there that um, we could probably right. figure out. Um, but regardless of that, we want everybody to go and follow yeah. Daddy Got Coffee um, because it's clean and identifiable whether you're a consumer right. or you're in the coffee industry. Yeah. Support him. Yeah, support him and, and what he does. Um, and that's really all I got today. You got yeah. anything else? Um, not today. That's it. Well, we enjoyed being able to have the opportunity to be in your ears today, you one-on-oneers out there. And um, we want you to continue listening. We want you to tell a friend. We want you to tag Umble Coffee on social media and say whatever about the podcast. Follow Umble Coffee on social media. And, and if you're ever around Starkville, Mississippi, yeah, come Midland by the Nowhere, shop. Mississippi. Yeah, we'd love for you to come by the shop. And You uh, can look us ask. up on Google. We have good reviews. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and if you're in the shop, um, there's about a, I'm going to say, 70% chance that either Katie or myself oh, yeah. are there. And you I can work ask for probably us. like, we're open six days a week and probably work at least four days a week. Yeah. So you'll probably see me in here. So, I'm yeah. not here early. I'm not. Yeah, come early. in, and um, if you're a company looking for coffee, mm-hmm. um, you know, Humble Coffee would love to talk to you about yeah. doing wholesale. Shoot us an email. Shoot us an email, or we love anything emails. like that. And um, that's really all I got. Yeah. Go tell a friend about Coffee 101. I told two people about it today, actually. 
You did? I did. Yeah. That's awesome. I know. I would give you a high five, but if we did, like, they wouldn't be able to hear it. That's so. true. I We're mean, just... I could do it right here. I'll th- I'm going to pretend this high five. Okay. Can you do hear it that? again? Do it again. Wait. Yeah. Let me try again. Okay. Is I'm going to do it. I'm going to okay. do it. You ready? It just doesn't sound as good as our voices on there. Wait. <laughs> okay. All right, we digress. We will listen or we will hear you next time on Coffee 101. Love y'all. Peace out.